Grimlings, and welcome to episode 13 of a Grim Podcast. I'm Sylvie. Sometimes jokes get carried too far, but people in fairy tales don't know any better. So, the people who are joking try to play it off. It may not make sense right now, but that's the subject of today's stories. Just stick with me. First, we'll find out about Tengu's Vanishing Cloak, a Japanese fairy tale. Then, we'll see what's in store for us in Stumpilt, a Swedish story. Quick note, Stumpilt means blunt arrow in Swedish. Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to my former 6th grade teachers, Miss M and Miss T, for being great human beings. So, without further ado, let's start reading. Once upon a time, there was a very clever and very mischievous little boy named Hikohachi, who was always dreaming up new ways of getting into trouble. Now, Hikohachi had often heard tell of a goblin known as Tengu, who lived in the nearby mountain forest. This Tengu, it was said, had a wonderful cloak that could make anyone wearing it invisible. What fun it would be, Hikohachi often thought, if he could get his hands on that vanishing cloak. Well, one day he had an idea. He hollowed out a piece of bamboo and carried it up the mountain where Tengu was said to live. When he reached the top of the mountain, he began to peer through the bamboo tube. Wow, he cried in a loud voice. You could see forever. This is great. It wasn't long before he heard a rustling in the trees. Hikohachi was sure it was Tengu come to watch him. He smiled to himself and continued to shout. I can see all the way to Osaka. Finally, a raspy voice came from the top of a pine tree. Say, boy, let me see that thing. Hikohachi acted surprised. Hey, who said that? It's me, Tengu. Let me see that thing you've got there, will you? No way, said Higohachi, shaking his head. It's my greatest treasure. It's the most powerful spyglass in the whole world. Tengu slid down the tree. Come on, boy. Please. Give us one tiny little peek. Uh-uh. This spyglass is the only one of its kind. You think I'll let just anyone look through it? Tell you what, said Tengu. I'll let you play with this cloak of mine. Ha! What do I want with a dirty old cloak like that? Dirty. Listen here, boy. This cloak can make you invisible. How's that for a treasure? Come on, let me see that spyglass thing. Well, Hikohachi pretended to be thinking it over. Finally, he sighed and said, All right, just for a minute. Now you're talking. Hand it over. Give me the cloak first. They made the swap, and Tengu held the hollow piece of bamboo up to his eye. Hikohachi, meanwhile, slipped the cloak over his head and vanished. Say, boy, said Tengu, I don't see anything. Boy? He looked all about, but Hikohachi was nowhere to be found. Boy, where'd you go? Hikohachi was already scurrying down the mountain, testing the vanishing cloak by playing tricks on all the animals that crossed his path. And it worked. Not even the animals could see him. Can't wait to try it out on people, he thought. That evening, in a town near the village where Hikohachi lived, strange things began to happen. One man, for example, was walking down the main street with a heavy load on his back when someone tripped him. Who did that, he growled, picking himself up off the ground. Who's the wise guy? A few moments later, a fat lady shrieked and held her nose, claiming that someone had just pinched her there. Pretty girl on the corner had her ears tweaked and let out a squeal. And a bald man dozing in front of his store was surprised by a big slap on his forehead. Fights started breaking out. Ow, you kicked me! Me? You're the one who poked me in the eye! At the fish market, an octopus began dancing in midair, driving away all the frightened customers. 
Dumplings disappeared from the counter at a tea shop, and a hand drum floated down the street by itself. The cause of all this confusion, of course, was Hikohashi and his vanishing cloak. He was having the time of his life. Soon, it began to grow late, however, and he had to head back to his village. When he got home, he called for his grandmother. Grandma, I'm home. Come here, I want to show you something. Hikohachi's grandmother came outside, wiping her hands and shaking her head. Hikohachi, she said, I'm too busy to... Hmm? Where is that boy? Forever playing tricks. The old woman walked back into the house, muttering to herself. And there, just inside the doorway, stood Hikohachi. Something wrong with your eyes, Grandma? He teased. I've been standing right there the whole time. That night, Hikohachi put the vanishing cloak in the garden storehouse and went to bed. But he was so excited just thinking about all the tricks he'd played the next day that he didn't get to sleep until very late. When he awoke in the morning, the sun was already high. Rubbing his eyes, he walked out into the garden, where he found his grandmother standing next to a pile of burning rubbish. Well, sleepyhead, she said, you finally got up. Hikohachi gasped and his mouth fell open. In his grandmother's hand was Tengu's cloak, and she was just about to throw it into the fire. No, he shouted. Don't burn that. This dirty old rag? Don't be silly. I won't have it in my house, she said. Where did you get such a filthy thing? And into the fire it went. Hikohachi was crushed. But as he stood, watching his precious cloak go up in flames, a brilliant idea came to him. He waited until the cloak had burned and his grandmother had gone back into the house. Then he took his clothes off and spread the ashes from the fire all over his body. And sure enough, he began to disappear. Soon he was completely invisible. Ha! he cried. I'm a genius! This is even better than wearing that heavy old cloak. Hikohachi hurried off into town, chuckling to himself. He was running down to the main street again, pinching noses and tweaking ears, when he came screeching to a halt. Right in front of his eyes was a big pile of manju, sweet bean jam buns. Oh boy, he thought, a manju shop. There was nothing Hikohachi loved more than manju. He began gobbling them down one after the other, licking the sweet jam from his lips as he ate. And fortunately, he also licked off all the ash around his mouth. And when the man who owned the shop finally noticed his manju were disappearing, he stepped outside to find two pink lips floating in the air. Ah! he shouted. Ghost! And it's stealing my manju! Stop, thief! Hikohachi dashed off, laughing, and the manju man ran after him, along with several other people who happened to be standing nearby. Stop, they yelled. Stop those spooky lips! Hikohachi was running as fast as he could, and soon he broke out in a sweat. As the sweat ran down his body, it washed off the ashes in streaks. Little by little, parts of him became invisible, and he began to look more like a ghost than ever. Half the people in town were running after Hikohachi now. They were right behind him when he reached the river. There was nothing for him to do but jump in. Splash! When Hikohachi came up for air, of course... The ash was all gone, and everyone could see who he was. The fun and games were over. He spent the next day, and every day for weeks after that, working at different stores in town to pay for the damage he'd done. He came to wish he'd never heard of Tengu and his vanishing cloak. Oh, and what about Tengu? Well, they say he's still at the top of his pine tree, trying to see Osaka through that bamboo tube. Alright, so now let's move on to Stumpilt. Not far from Ballsburg, near Filkesta, 
in the Wilhelmsrad, there is a hill in which a giant named Stumpil once used to live. It happened one day that a goat herd was driving his flock up the hill in, in which Stumpil dwelt. Who is there? cried the giant and rushed out of his hill with a hunk of flint rock in his fist. I am, if that's what you want to know, shouted the shepherd lad and continued driving his goats up the hill. If you come here, I will squash you as I squash this stone, cried the giant as he crushed it into fine sand between his fingers. And I will squash you till the water runs out, just as I squash this stone, answered the shepherd lad, drawing a fresh cheese from his pocket and pressing it hard so that the water ran from his fingers. Are you not frightened? asked the giant. Of you? Certainly not, was the youth's reply. Then we will fight with one another, proposed the giant. As you choose, replied the shepherd. But first we must abuse each other so that we can get into a proper rage, because as we abuse each other we will grow angry, and when we are angry we will fight. But I shall begin by abusing you, said the giant. As you choose, said the youth, but then it will be my turn. May a troll with a crooked nose take you, yelled the giant. May a flying devil carry you off, answered the shepherd, and he shot a sharp arrow against the giant's body with his bow. What was that? asked the giant and tried to pull the arrow out of his body. That was a word of abuse, said the shepherd. How does it come to have feathers? asked the giant. The better to fly with, answered the shepherd. Why does it stick so tight? the giant continued. Because it has taken root in your body, was the shepherd's answer. Have you any other abusive words of the same sort? asked the giant. Here is another one, replied the youth, and shot another arrow into the giant. Ouch, ouch, cried Stumpilt. Are you still not angry enough for for us to come to blows? No, I have not abused you enough as yet, said the shepherd, and aimed another arrow. Lead your ghost wherever you choose. If I cannot stand your abusive words, I surely will not be able to bear you up against your blows, cried Stumpilt and jumped back into his own hill. And that is how the shepherd gained the victory, because he was brave and did not let that stupid giant frighten him. All right, well, that brings this episode to an end. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Till our next adventure. Bye, Grimlings.